Project. Welcome to the Refuge Project. The Refuge Project is a place that we can have meaningful conversation in a safe place. We are your hosts. I am Pastor David. We got James. Hey, hey. And we got some lovely stand-in guest hosts. We got Salvador. Hey. And Miss Deborah. Hello. <laughs> Hey, think, uh, this is not like love ninety seven point one in midnight. I can't help it. I'm just looking my lady straight in the eye. <laughs> oh well, uh, we'll check out and check back in in a little bit. Uh, man, it was January since the last time you was here talking about conspiracies. And, Dude, it was uh, so cold. Yeah, <laughs> it was like uh, episode nineteen, and we're at forty something now. Hey, so. After that was like the second worst experience of my whole life. Oh, that wow. stupid freeze. <laughs> oh man, and not because anything happened to our house. Just yeah. living, just being a plumber during oh, the yeah. freeze was the worst yes. thing that ever happened to me. I tell you, not what, financially. It was good for me financially because <laughs> same with pools, right? So all the pool stuff broke, and we got to go out and fix all that stuff for financially was good but mm-hmm. man it was it was rough there for a while I, I agree with that one I had to live with my parents for a while oh times oh not not I mean, your parents are great they are great yeah yeah but it's weird actually honestly it was kind of better uh it's funny once you get married and like move out and you live your own life for a while and then you kind of come back and do home stuff and all. Like, all of your family treats you totally different. Oh, yeah, you're grown. Yeah, you're grown. But <laughs> but you have to move out and move back in for them to realize that you're grown. Yeah. yeah. It's, but it's weird because you'll, they'll, like, kind of, you can feel, like, with my mom, you can always, whether she says what she's thinking or not, you can just feel it. <laughs> like, her body will just, like, shake and ooze the emotion she's yeah. Trying to hold back from Shout saying to you all the time. Yeah, mom. I think, hey, she finally listened to one. All right. All right. Yeah, she, uh, where's hey, the clap? She got one. <laughs> she got one. I think my sister sent her one or something. Hey, did they change your room? Probably yours, right? Yeah, that room is like, yeah, she doesn't know it. Yeah. Yeah, that room, it doesn't even have a bed. It's like a, like a kid's playroom. Or is Tara allowed to sleep in your room? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, they turned like we slept in. A, they gave him one. Y'all can't each. close the door. <laughs> <laughs> they strung up a sheet you know, behind you between the two couches. <laughs> what did they do in the old times? They tie, they sit, shoot, um, they tied you up or whatever to the bed. They tied you up to the no, bed. No, no, they, that's crazy. They, 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 stitch, they stitch you in the bed. Thing. You stitch you in the bed. You don't remember that? It was in the Patriot. That movie, The Patriot? Oh, Old no, times, they, they sit you in the clip. bed so you wouldn't get out and do anything wrong. That's like chastity belts and stuff, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. but without the metal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> chastity belts on a budget. <laughs> Come here, sonny. Come on. I'll sit you up tonight. <laughs> uh, anyways, mate, I'm glad to have you guys here. And yeah. see, so you, you was about to tell me about a new church y'all started. Uh, we didn't start a church. Are you, no, no, no. You started going to a new church. Yeah, yeah. What's That's been, completely different. It's completely different. different. <laughs> yeah, I'm not Pastor Salvador. <laughs> um, no, so what, what's been happening is we, uh, I don't know, we've been praying for a while and just God's been kind of like moving on us and we were we were comfortable at the church we were at, uh, shout out Life Community. Yeah, good church. Uh, we were comfortable and, you know, everything was good about it, And uh, but God was like, hey, Y'all need to make a move. Um, we have we've been working with some foster care uh, ministries for a long time that are at this new church we're going to Risen Nation. Shout out Risen Nation. Where's that at? Okay, you know where that bowling alley used to be on Spencer, but Armadillo Lane. Yes, right there. I know Armadillo Lane. Okay, yeah, Spencer. Yeah. 
Is that the one that had the big apartment complex right next to it? They tore yes. down yeah. down at the park? Yeah. Okay. Wait, yeah. that's not a bowling alley anymore? No, it's a it's Fountain Blue Event Center. Uh, and we literally, like, just started today going. Uh, but God, like, the, it was cool because God just, like, released us from being like, okay, he's like, hey, go ahead and go. And uh, we just, we talked to our pastor. And it's funny because, like, you know, like I said, they cared for us well at our, at our old church, but we just... You know, uh, it was just time. Right? <laughs> new, new season, yeah, time. new season, and we, you know, we're trying to, we're still working on healing from from Aria and stuff, and, yeah. And so, she, we, we went ahead and and told them, and that day they had already hired people that were would replace us. Like it had happened. Wow. That either that day or the day before. Yeah. Um. So it just really worked out. Like we stepped out. You know, no hard feelings and. Yeah, and not, and they're in a good place, and we're in a good place. Like it's a, I mean, it's a sacrifice in from our from our end, um, but we're just we're excited to start something new. So the church is in the event center. Yeah, awesome. It's awesome. A, it's, it's been two years. I guess they started two years ago. Yeah, um, and like that's the thing is we've been already like serving some of the families that are in there. Yeah. Um, so just we weren't going to the church. Right. Right. Um, but our friends started the. Uh, what is it? <laughs> it's a ministry called Kingdom Care, and it's a ministry that um, serves to provide wraparound services to foster children and the families that support them. Um, so we are we've had our own foster care experience, and we met up with these people during that experience originally, and um, that community ended up becoming Kingdom Care, and our part in that is to meet the needs of the families. So taking meals, um, just financial provisions or, um, you know, just prayer team, things like that. Um, just to really support foster children and the families that are supporting them too. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I don't mean to put you on the spot because we didn't, we wasn't going to talk about this or this wasn't something that came up, but if somebody wants to give to that ministry or they want to be a part of the ministry, is there somewhere that they could reach out to website, something like that, or just go to the church Maybe the church's website. Uh, I would assume. Yeah, I would assume the web, the church's website. The church's they, website to Is give. It? They normally use a PayPal that's associated with the. Uh, with, with resignation. Yeah, with resignation. Resignation on Spencer in Pasadena. Yeah, yes. that's awesome. That'd be an awesome ministry. It. Uh, yeah, it's it's been. I mean, again, like today was our first day of officially going there, but uh, I don't know. We're just excited. We're in a new season and. You know, like not luckily, but we've we've never left the church. Like obviously, because like we're talking to you guys, right? Yeah, <laughs> but we never left the church and been like and burn any bridges. Yeah, so um, it's been a good transition. And are y'all doing music there? <laughs> not yet. No. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. They don't. They don't need us. But I mean, I was already. I mean, first day, I already got asked. So. We'll see. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. I tell you what, anytime good musicians go anywhere, you f- they find a place to put you in, right? Yeah. So, and, that, and that's where y'all have always been. Y'all have always found a, a spot at a, at a church to just really serve in, in not just one area, but multiple areas. So awesome. James, how's your, how's your week been? You get no armadillos or... Or uh, opossums or anything like that. Nothing, man. I'm, man, I'm that's good. All, that's good. I'm good with on that on that sense. Yeah, I'm good. Um, well, how was my week? Yeah, it was a good week. I just had a busy week. I worked a little extra at uh, the restaurant this week, but I made extra money, so it was all good. But uh, yeah, it's been going good. Yeah, we uh, we went to uh, 
San Marcos went down the river and did that thing. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> you're not that burnt though. Nah, what, man. I covered. Much, I, I just did like a, a wool blanket and put it over me. <laughs> It's a fire blanket. <laughs> yeah, I did, man. I actually had this big old giant hat, and I was, I was, I was covered up. That's how you got to do it, man. Yeah, but we had a good time. You know, I remember school's about to start, right? Everybody's going back to school, and so we go to San Marcos every year, and we go to the outlets up there. So this year, we decided to go down the river, spend a few extra days. Man, clothes are so expensive. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I can remember my parents being like they they would charge. $100 each a kid and then they would pay it out all year long until Christmas and then they would charge Christmas wow. and then they would pay that out till school started and they would charge you know school clothes um, but for 100 bucks now you get like a, a t-shirt and a pair of shorts if that yeah it's crazy <laughs> yeah. it is so crazy Dude, you gotta go to Marshall's man you need <laughs> a clearance rack you need yeah. to return the kids though like <laughs> put them back these <laughs> are too expensive yeah, exactly. it's a bad investment yeah, you know, it's one of those things that I could I could really have been like my dad and was like, yeah, all you need was a pair of rustlers and, you know, he's a polo assassin, you know, or yeah. something like that. But, you know, the Lord has blessed us to be able to do a little extra and kind of the, I don't want my kids to be the kids that, like, are those the fake Nikes? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because we live we live in an area where that's like super important to a lot of, a lot of people and I just don't want my kids to be that kid on the playground that gets... Bullied over a pair of, I bought a thirty dollar pair of shoes. I could have bought him a sixty dollar pair of hey, shoes. Walmart he, had some like vert that looked exactly like Yeezys, thirty five bucks, man. Yeah, the, the new ugly foam ones. Yeah, they look just like them. They got sued though, so you can't get them anymore. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Noah was just like, I already know what pair of shoes I want, and I'm just like, what? He said Yeezys. I'm like, nope. And I actually, I told, I told him like a hard no, and then like I would just say, okay, let me just see how much I can. <laughs> and for kids, two hundred and thirty-five bucks. Oh, I'm just like, yeah, hard weeks. no, hard no. I got him four pairs of shoes for like under two hundred bucks, you know. So yeah, that's reasonable. Know. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was it was crazy. Well, I went to Marshalls the other day. <laughs> I, got, I haven't bought clothes in years, and uh, I bought two pairs of shorts. And a shirt for $35, and they look good. Yeah, I I shop at Marshall's. You know, I like Marshall's, Ross, Academy. Do it up. Um, Sports and outdoors. Yeah. Sports and outdoors. (laughs) They got the right stuff to low price. Oh, Oh, man. man. Hey, 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 we need a sponsorship. We're going to keep talking about it like that. Oh, all right. Well, let's just jump right into it. Culture. Corner. Hey, 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 hey. Get in there, on the way, but I, I'm not going to do it. I can only come up with, like, insulting rap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I kind of got a story. I just want to kind of discuss a little bit, okay? This is a, a story of this uh, preacher from the U.S. He's over in the United Kingdom, and he got arrested for preaching the gospel. And I got my air quotes out mm-hmm. on the on the streets of the U.K. And he was out there, like I said, preaching the gospel with my air quotes. But he will, he was really talking about was like how, how the homosexual stuff and and the lesbian stuff was wrong and being kind of. I don't know, to me, the way the article was written, he was kind of being aggressive about 
about how bad that was and 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 they eventually arrested him because he wouldn't come off of his stance. Mm-hmm. And basically if he would have come off of a stance and he would have just kind of like which and, and this is kind of where the tricky part got, right? Because they were talking to him about his faith at that point. The cop was just like, "Look, you know, you can't be out here. It's offensive to these people." And then he then he his thing was, "Well, it's offensive to me to watch two women kiss." Okay, what's offensive to me? What about these kids that have to watch these two men hold hands walking down the street? That's offensive to me as a Christian, and I get it. And I get that um, as a Christian, you can't back down from what you believe, right? Uh, so they arrested him and took him to jail, and he basically was screaming out, "They're arrest- arresting me because I'm a Christian." Um, the problem that I kind of have a, with this whole situation is, like, it's the whole you catch more people with honey than, you know, what a, hot sauce or whatever it is. I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, and, and we're really into a point, um, and, and the whole article was written really about, listen, this is happening here. It's coming to America, you know, and we, and we know that. We see that as Christians. We see a lot of our rights being taken away. Um and persecution. But I think a lot of times as Christians, we call persecution when it's not persecution. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, we call certain things that uh, are hate against us that are really not hate against us. But when we say fags are going to hell and we're holding protest signs up and, and shoving yell, them at people, yelling at people, I don't know, man. I, I don't. I don't. I feel like that's not what Jesus would have done. I, I think one thing, and it's interesting because I've been at a show before. Like I went to go see who? What band was it? I went to go see Thrice. This is a while a while back, and um, it's funny because some of our guys from Elam were there, and they were doing this. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Bad. Like they weren't yelling at people. They were just. You know, holding signs. Uh, you know, this uh, just holding up signs with Bible verses. Um, and At the uh, Thrice concert. Yeah, okay. yeah, man. It was a warehouse. Oh, okay. Yeah, and um, and it's like, oh man, I know you. <laughs> it's like, hey, bro, I'll see you Sunday. But uh, yeah, this must have been a while back because I was going I to Elam at the time. Who it was? But, but no, um, were they like outside the venue? Yeah, they're outside like, the venue. Okay. But I guess the question is like, how much? <laughs> I wonder, like, how much it actually, like you said, how much does it actually, how much do they actually get out of that, other than personal satisfaction? Because I think that's the way a lot of people are about certain ministries, if especially if it's, like, for a show. Um, it's like, I get more out of this than than the ministry actually does. Right. You know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. We, I, don't, I don't think it's any difference between that guy and that worship leader that's up there to perform. Yeah. You know, not to actually be the lead worshiper. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I, and I th- you see this a lot on street preachers. You know, they feel like they, they have this calling to go out and point out everybody else's faults and see what you are, see what you look like. And I'm going to assume because you look like that, then you're going to hell because of these certain things. All right. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I think that I've never seen... And I never heard about a, you know, whatever, a lesbian or a gay guy give their life to the Lord because somebody's in their face yelling at them, telling them they're going to hell because they like girls. Right. You know what I'm saying? But I have heard building relationships with people 
and inviting them to their church and seeing what we're all about and how we can love. Um, but this doesn't spell love. He says, I love everybody, but if you do this, you're going to hell. That doesn't spell love. That doesn't show the love of Christ to anybody when you're in that situation. Now, building that relationship, come sit with me. Let's talk. Let me explain where I'm coming from, where the Bible says this stuff, how this can be detrimental to your relationships in the future. How could this be detrimental to a kid um, that you might adopt or something like that? But to stand up in public and just um, basically crucify somebody else because of the way they're living, um, not not really seeing, you know, not really trying to expose our our you know dark sides of our life. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Debra, you have anything to say on that? Um, I just am not sure that I am personally okay with um, putting more importance on being right than you know really being the trying to be an outward definition of biblical love to other people. Um, like you were saying, relationships really do make more of a difference, and they're. I've never, like you have never seen or ever heard of anybody completely radically changing their life after somebody berated them for not being a Christian or not exhibiting Christian behavior, whatever your definition of Christian behavior is. Um, You know, so I myself prefer um, my witness is um, really just to live my life the best way I can according to biblical standards um, and just hope that that when the opportunity arises to actually speak to people about the gospel, of course I do it, but, um, I don't always have a chance to actually speak to people. Right. Most people will just see me passing by or something. And in those moments, I'm hoping that I am still exhibiting an outward reflection of the Lord. Um, that way it can stay with them. If I happen to be the only representation of the Lord they see in their life. I hope that I'm doing the right thing or at least what is biblically acceptable so they can remember that as opposed to something I yelled at them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that's like, I don't know what it is about uh, like uh, the street preacher scene, you know, I I guess it's a scene out there, but if you go downtown, it's gotta be a scene. Yeah. It's gotta be one of those things. Right. Uh, and, And I think that, at its core, it, it's it's based good, right? Yes. But somewhere, I think kind of like what Salvador is, it's more like you're getting more out of this. Like, I feel like if I go out and I and I spew all of this, whatever I'm spewing, that um, I get the glory, God's going to be happy with me, yeah. um, that I'm going to be doing the right thing. And no matter the wake of destruction that I leave... I'm going to be okay. God's going to, you know, bless me because I didn't bless them or whatever it may right. be. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And, and I just wish really people would just read the red letters, you know, <laughs> read the red letters, see how God lived, see what he did, how he was chilling with the, the people of the world. And he never, when the, the times that, that God was, I mean, Jesus that was upset was at his people, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. not, not the loss because he knew that he had to build relationships. He knew that he had a, the woman at the well, that he had to go there and meet her and show her that he knew who she was and, and how he loved her for her to go running back to the village to share 
what she experienced at the well. Yeah, I think know? I think one thing, and then that's in London, right? Yes. Well, I mean, like I know, it's, especially for us Americans, Americanos, <laughs> um, Texans, we have, especially Texans, to be honest, mm-hmm. we have. We have American pride, and we have all the freedom we could ever want. Um, and I and I think, as Christians, we let that run away from us sometimes. Even and, and this is especially true about COVID. Um, you know, we just because we have a right to do something, because we have so much freedom, doesn't necessarily mean that it's good or true. It doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do. You know, we as Christians, we have a right to say. I mean, we as Americans have a right to say. You know, everybody. Uh, you know, uh, screw you guys. They can just die, you know, if it, from COVID or whatever. You know, I mean, or y'all are going to hell. God hates you. You have a right to say it, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be edifying to the to your walk or anybody's walk. Right. Uh, and I think that's yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the. And are we making our identify our identity as a, as an American more important than our identity in Christ? Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I think that you you see that that really really translates like over this whole mask discussion. Just like mm-hmm. people are putting their their faith, their Christianity, and comparing it with a mask that you have to wear or you don't have to wear. Right. I'm just like this is this is this is not a faith thing right here. This right. is not a, a God thing. This is like. Okay, you know, we want to be respectful to one another. If, you know, maybe if you have a cold or something, you might want to put a mask on. This has been going on for, like, years and years in, in like, Asia and different areas like that. They're just respectful for the for each other. Right. And, and, but, oh, we're going to go to hell if we don't wear a mask in church. You know what I'm saying? Just, like, and there's the whole debate inside the church. Like, what are, what are we really getting out of all of these things? And I think, like, I think you said it best is self-edification. So, I don't know. People, Christians, listen to me out there, man. <laughs> Love one another. That's what the Bible says. Treat, we have treat to, a friend to a Luan platter. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Hallelujah. Take them to Luby's. Get to know them. That's right. They ain't going to be around very much <laughs> longer. Take them to the Luby's. If you have any respect for these people, <laughs> don't do that. Man, you get to sit down and get that cold butter and put on your roll. <laughs> Man, no, you take them to Gringo's and conversate over some queso. No, that's what I'm yeah, talking about. James is your idea. waiter. I I would, <laughs> you would have infinitely better time if you went to Gringo's. <laughs> you get some chicharrones? Yeah, get the queso loco. The chicharrones come complimentary with it. It's a oh good value. Gosh. Yeah, and the guacamole. Yeah. Speaking of food, while I was in San Marcos, I ate some salt lick. Have you ever been been to salt lick? In most, no, right outside heard of it. Haven't been oh, there. Oh, my God. It was the best food I've ever eaten in my entire we just, life. We just got Delta Blues like 10 minutes ago. What's Delta Blues? Bro, it's the New, Papa's, New Papa's Restaurant. Who? New Papa's Restaurant. Delta Blues. Delta Blues Smokehouse. Yeah, okay. haven't been yet. It's okay. so good. Where's it at? It's so good. Uh, you know where Mardell is? Mardell? Yeah. In Clear Lake or Webster? Webster. Yeah, it's right right by there. Okay, definitely got to check Just that out. Just for all you New Zealanders, check it out. It's like fancy Papa's barbecue. Fancy barbecue. Okay, so yeah. this, I don't know that you, out there in podcast land, you can't see this, oh. but this is the grill, that this is the smoker that they Man, use. Man, they got wow. sausage hanging. Yeah, it's, it looks like it looks like a watering well, an old school yeah. watering well, except it's a smoker grill. Yeah. Type deal. I, All you pull up is barbecue sauce from that well. Oh man, 
we, we actually <laughs> bought some barbecue sauce and brought it home. It was so good. Mm, yeah. yeah. Anyways, on a lighter note, I'm sure that James has a uh, animal story or something for it's us. No, there's no animals involved. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe I should do an animal. No, this one's good. So there's this guy in <laughs> Louisiana, and he uh, he. He's been a millionaire since his early 20s, made a bunch of money selling vitamins and supplements and stuff like that, Uh, sold some of those companies and all. So he's been rich for a while, and he's been married to this lady uh, for a while as well. Their uh, marriage has been deteriorating for years, and there's been rumors of, uh, you know, like domestic abuse and all that stuff. So they finally filed for a divorce uh, not too long ago. And this guy decided he was so he went, you know, you you hear about some of these crazy dudes who are like the girl's going to leave him and they go crazy and they, you know, they either want to beat her up. They want some of them murder him. And it's he's so he's one of those guys. So his big plan was he was going he hires these two people. It's not worth half people. It's not (laughs) worth half. (laughs) So he hires these two people to kidnap her. And then he was going to like win her back. I've heard this story. story. (laughs) Really? This isn't like this is. I'm locked in now. So this is kind of like if you ever watched that old Fargo movie, it's kind of like that, except for the guy. Okay, so the premise of that movie. No, just say the regular story. (laughs) Well, okay, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so he, so yeah, so he's going to have him kidnap her, and she, and he's going to like win her back, and then I guess she's going to love it because he (laughs) saved her from kidnapping. But the kidnappers, they when they go to kidnap her, they uh, and they handcuff her, and I think they put a bag over her head or something, and they're driving her away. And uh, oh, and the guy was going to pay them nineteen gold bars, which I just thought was <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so seven doubloons. It was, he, he, there was no a bunch of shekels. It said gold bars, and it was nineteen. Which I don't know. I guess if I knew exactly how much a gold bar was worth, maybe that would make more sense. But anyway. Uh, so while they're driving her away, um, they get in a traffic jam. And so to skip the traffic, they start driving on the feeder, like, you know, the illegal thing to do. And so an off-duty cop sees them and, like, calls it in. And so uh, this cop ends up trying to pull them over just because they were do, uh, driving on the feeder side or whatever, side of the road to skip the traffic. And uh, they decide to run from the cops, and they do not make it out. And in doing so, they end up in some swamp, and the guys drowned in the swamp, like a little ways away from the car. The girl is uh, recovered, and everything's fine with her. But the guy, his, his plot uh, did not work out, <laughs> and they found out about it. And he just got uh, he got arrested, and they're trying to give him. I think it was fifteen to thirty five years. Well, come on, Thibodeau. Oh, come on, come on, Thibodeau. <laughs> This is not the story I heard. I thought this was going to be much funnier. Okay, so Fargo was funny. This isn't funny. It's very dark humor in Fargo, but no. Gold bars are worth $2,000 each. So around 40 grand. Okay, that's 20 yeah, grand a person. That's still not worth it, bro. Kidnappers. That, he, he, those are the best kidnappers ever. Nobody ever actually well, I just want to know like, how Thibodeau died, but the chick with handcuffs and blindfold, they didn't drown. Yeah, I did, it didn't go into much detail. Maybe it was still in the car. They ended up in some swamp, and it said that they f- were found drowned, like not in the car. Like they got out and they were trying to run, and they that sounded like a police officer oh, job. It yeah. just like held, <laughs> just, held them under underwater maybe, too maybe long. Got, maybe the alligators got them. That, yeah, not, no, so. I mean they were recovered. They were recovered. They died. Wow. <laughs> wow. And that's the story. That's the whole story. That's, <laughs> that's the story. The story. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
the story is don't kidnap your wife. Look, look work it out. Yeah, just counseling. work it but out. That's you know a normal moral. No Everybody knows, knows that. <laughs> now you really know. <laughs> hey, so you know that? So you know that guy on Instagram that goes, "Hey, nice car. What do you do for a living?" Wait, oh no. <laughs> y- y'all, y'all don't know that one? No. So there's a guy on Instagram. He's actually from Houston. He, he walks up to these like... Wait, the, the black dude that with the phone? Nope. Okay. Yeah, I was guy. thinking that guy, the guy that's like yeah, everything yeah. is obvious and he puts his hand out. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. This is He just walks up to these random like Ferraris or whatever and goes, nice car. What do you do for a living? And they're just like, oh, you know, I'm in tech or whatever, this and that. I saw Ferraris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of it like, is stuff like that. Well, this, he, I guess that kind of got old, so he's doing like yachts now. And uh, so he walks up on this like dock. He was just like, hey, nice yacht. What do you do for a living? And he was just like, well, I invested in uh, CBDs and it went well. You know, it's like $4 million yacht. Uh-huh. And the dude pans out and the yacht. It's called C, like the letter C, <laughs> weed. <laughs> no, no. Yes. Okay. Uh, I don't know why your story reminded me of that. <laughs> I don't know. Water? Yeah. yeah. Water. <laughs> Probably got a couple bodies in the... Yeah, he has some bodies and ended up drowning. Yeah. All right, I got a song for y'all today. Tasha Layton, uh, Look What You've Done. How could you fall so far? You should be ashamed of yourself So I was ashamed of myself The lies I believed They got some roots, they run deep I let them take a hold of my life I let them take control of my life Standing in your presence, Lord I can feel you digging all the roots up I feel you healing all my wounds up All I can say is hallelujah Suddenly all the shame is gone I thought I was too broken Now I see You were breaking new ground inside of me Standing in your presence, Lord I can feel you digging all my roots up I feel you healing all my wounds up All I can say is Tasha Layton, look what you've done. I love the visual. The first verse, she's coming in, everything's dead. All the plants in her house are mm-hmm. dead and crusty and dead leaves everywhere. And then she gets in the second part where everything is green and sprouting new new flowers. And uh, man, I, I heard this song um, and it just like resonated with my spirit at the time. And I was just like, God, look what you've done. You know, there's so much more you can do. But look what you've done with me, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was on American Idol with Tori uh, Kelly and Lauren Daigle. Hey. Yeah, so she was she was up against tough competition. And then, uh, you know, three kind of faith-based at the same time. And 
Um, she's just really doing some, some awesome music, so go check her out, Tasha Layton. What season is American Idol on? I'm like 375. Yeah, goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think they took a break for a few years and then they relaunched or something. I don't know. I don't know, man. I got rid of regular TV. Yeah. yeah. I like, I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago, uh, Song, what was it, the one where they... Oh, the one where they write songs? Yeah. Song oh, something. yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, now I don't remember the name of it. Songsters, yeah, yeah. Song... Some, some song, song yeah. explorer, song, some song, Arthur's. Yeah, <laughs> hey, you know, hey, as a listener, bro, like when stuff like this happens and I know something, I'm just screaming it. Hey, next time, just throw it in the comments <laughs> and then we'll get to it. Man, like, <laughs> uh, anyway, so you know, I was thinking about that song and I've heard um, a couple different things that was going on in. Um, and what you call it on, you know, these little like halfway, um, like sermon clips. That's what I was trying to think of sermon clips, a lot about thoughts this week, I don't, for whatever reason. And pastor talked about thoughts this morning, how, how thoughts can really just kind of direct your life and your thoughts, uh, what you say can like, either speak things into life or bring you down if you're always talking negative about yourself. And so I would just think, well, well let's just talk about it a little bit today. Um, like I said, I had a few different ones that I, w- I was listening to. Um, Pastor was talking about how thoughts can run your life. You know, the different things, that good ways or bad ways, and uh, thoughts can lead your life. What are y'all, what are y'all laughing about? I want to be on the inside here. What are you, what are you laughing What is she laughing Slang for thought. Yeah, that's exactly why yes. I'm laughing, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what's happening. Yeah, me <laughs> James, she's the youngest one here. All right, there is a slang that came out like seven years ago on the internet that was like oh, an acronym for thought. Uh, it's a trap queen. Yeah, T H O T. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say. Nah. Probably not. Probably not say it. Um, it's, it's just a girl. It's it's an acronym for um, a promiscuous girl. Oh, I didn't um, know it was an acronym. I just know yeah. my my apprentice uses the word a lot. Okay. Anyway, it's, I, it's I a I can see how those just, can run your life too. But that's not what I was talking about. I'm laughing at them being party bees running your life. Yeah. T-H-O-U-G-H-T One of these days we'll grow up around here Hey, I was good This one was sound I I wasn't going to bring it up You should have laughed I was trying to work through it But I just kept laughing harder and harder And I was just like I got to know what you're talking about Yeah, Pastor David's being all serious With this awesome setup I lost my thoughts They'll find their way back Anyways, and you always talk about, you always hear people talking about speaking stuff to an existence and, uh, I, you know, I'm a big UFC fighter and stuff like that. And they're always talking about, you know, I just keep, I get up every day and tell myself that I'm a champion and then finally they get up there and the champion or whatever it may be. Um, so what are your thoughts on thoughts? <laughs> 
Like, <laughs> don't, don't tell me your thoughts on thoughts, okay? No. <laughs> uh, but like, do somebody else first. Do you buy into the thing of speaking things into existence and speaking positivity around you, or do you think that like what's going to happen is going to happen, and uh, it's just going to be what it is? No, I definitely. Well, I think people take it too far when, with the whole like you know. Oh, I'm getting sick. Don't don't say you're getting sick. You're gonna get sick. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, all that stuff. You know, or the whole you know, name it and claim it stuff. I think people take it way too far. Um, But to act like what you think about doesn't matter or affect you at all is also definitely very incorrect. Uh, For me, like like the other day at work, I was talking. uh, I had to work these. I got stuck working these awful shifts where uh, you work. The morning, and usually, so if you work a, a double shift, you work the lunch shift, you get a break in the afternoon, and then you work the night shift. But I got stuck working these shifts where uh, you work just the whole day without a, ba- a break, basically. And uh, every now and then, it's okay to do that. And if it's a busy day, you can make a whole bunch of money real quick. Uh, but I got stuck doing that two days, like, back-to-back. So it w- I was going into the night shift of the second day, and somehow it came up. Like, somebody asked me, like, Oh, you're about to get off, right? And I was like, no, I'm about to start second shift again. They're like, what, what? And uh, the girl was just like, man, you never complain about anything. You're always so positive. I didn't even know you're stuck working these shifts and all this stuff. And I said, well, if I just complain about it, it doesn't make my day better at all. It only makes it worse. And I said, I've still got to do these shifts one way or another. And uh, if I'm just talking about how horrible it is and how I wish I wasn't here and, man, this is the worst, then I'm, it's only going to make things worse. You yeah. Know? And uh, so, yeah, the, you got to have, you know, the whole be positive thing is like uh, it's turned into like a uh, it's a really annoying to hear people talk about. It. Yeah, you got to stay positive. It's almost turned into its own little religion for non-religious people. But yeah, back in my day, don't worry, be happy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was, that good vibes. Yeah. But for real, you do have to be positive, though. Like, it it affects your attitude, which affects your emotions, which is like what uh, Pastor Mark was speaking about this morning. And that affects your whole life if you don't have it all under control. So Right. I think that um, I know there's clinical depressions and different things like that that you can't, you can't think your th- way through it. You can't just say, today I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be happy. And I know there's some issues and chemical imbalances and different things. But I think a lot of times that if you don't have those clinical issues that you can work your way out of a, you know, a tough situation, you can work your way through, um, your, your parents passing or a child passing or something like that. Um, by just continuing to be positive and bringing positivity, positive people around you and different things. Um, but at the same time, man, I feel like there's things that happen in life that are tough mm-hmm. yeah. and you can't just wake up every day and say, today is going to be a good day and it's going to be a good day. Yeah. Well, it's, it goes back to like a, I don't remember what verses it is, but you know, the whole, there's a time, there's a time to mourn. There's a time to cry. There's a time to laugh. There's a time, you know, there's a time for everything. You know, if your parents die, you it's, it's okay to be, to grieve that your parents died. You, know? right. yeah. Yeah. you don't have to go out there and pretend like everything's cool, but there's a time for it, and there's a time for it to pass. You know, yeah. you guys have might have brought the right people on for this. <laughs> well, there you go. We, uh, it's it's interesting because we, uh, you know, we've been working through. Arya passed away a year and a half now. Yeah. Ago. Yeah. So it's the 28th. It'll be a year and eight months. Wow. Um, so 
we um, and it's been an interesting journey <laughs> um, as far as us goes. Like we had, we expected it, and uh, we knew it was going to happen, and, and we're we're happy with the way that everything happened. Um, obviously, we're sad that she's gone, but it led to a lot of unexpected things that 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 have been that really like sideswiped both of us. Um, yeah, I don't want to necessarily speak for Deborah, but for me, I have a lot of insecurities that I didn't know I had, um, and they came out of nowhere. <laughs> like, and also like I I developed severe anxiety, right? Especially at the beginning. Um, but then what happened was I heard my, I had my first panic attack, and I ended up in a hospital, and then it just got worse and worse. Um, you say all this happened after? Yeah, after she passed away. So um, I don't want to stop your story, but do you think that because you were being the father and then helping her with it's like so much into her life that you didn't have time to really notice those things uh, or it just developed afterwards? Okay. So part of it, I think both. Um, but I, I know that it, what obviously we needed to do some of the work beforehand. Um, but what I found a lot and what really helped, especially with like the anxiety attacks that don't really happen to me anymore. Mm-hmm. But what happened was, I figured out because like when it was happening, I was like, this is so stupid. What is happening? Um, you know, like I feel like I'm having a heart attack. I'm freaked out. Um, and then I found out I identified this is what's happening. This is my triggers. So I, I'm taking the thoughts captive right. and saying this. OK, this is what's happening. There's and and I think Deborah did some of this in her therapy The um, you talk about. You have to say like these are things that are in front of you. This is something I could take, I could control right now, and this is the truth. Uh, for me, I had to be like I had to say a lot of truths. They're hard truths, but they're true. Right. You know. So the thought of you know Arya passed away. She's not here. We you're you're moving forward. Life is continuing, and it hurts. But it was also taking control of the situation through thoughts. You know, and you know, and prayer as well. But like that's there actually had to be some some movement in my brain to actually do something about it. And we were talking about this earlier this week, just about how, you know, people talk about their natures and it's like, well, you know, it's my, it's my human nature to check out girls, you know? And it's like, well, Christ gives you a new nature yeah. and either he does or he doesn't. And so if we can't control our thoughts, then, then you don't believe the Bible to to me. Like that's, yeah. uh, And I think that, and and we'll let Deborah share a little bit on, on this one. I think that thoughts, and moments and situations in our life that we, in the moment, we think, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. What am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? I'll, I'll never be able to get past this. But then later, years down the road, we look look back at that situation and see that we had to go through that to get where we are now. And because because of that, and it was bad, and it was tough to get through, that we're in a position right, right now to do something, whatever that is, bigger or, or maybe not better, or, or just something different, and now we're prepared or now we're <clears throat> ready to go through it. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much listeners out there, <laughs> um, you know, um, our daughter that we keep talking about, Aria, you know, she was born very premature at 25 weeks. And as a result of being born so early, she lived with lifelong disabilities, multiple um, lifelong disabilities. And so um, she required caregiver assistance for her entire life. Um, and I was her primary caregiver while Salvador was, you know, being the provider for our home. And um, so 
there was a lot of time, especially as she got older and she started to get more sick, to anticipate her premature death. And um, so when it actually came time for that to happen um, during her last major illness, um, it was very odd because um, it was like we were not very, most people would be, you know, rolling on the floor, crying, devastated, just, I can't do this, like, you know, and um, we actually, um, you know, Aria was nonverbal, non-ambulatory, but she did have her ways of communicating, and we did let her, even though she was 15, we did let her have the lead on how her end-of-life care was going to go, and as she was able to articulate in her own way what her final wishes were, Um, We just supported that. And, you know, as we were praying for her transition into eternal rest, um, we just felt so much peace about the whole thing. And it was not a scary thing to experience her actually going home to the Lord. Um, And we actually, I, I can't speak for Salvador, but I was actually kind of riding on that peace high through, you know, her funeral and through probably the first few weeks. And, um, Right when, you know, he had, he, we really became very codependent on each other during that. Cause we don't have any other children that live. It was just her. And, um, so we were very, very codependent on each other and he returned to work and I was a stay at home mom. I didn't have a job to go back to. I had no other children to tend to. Um, I was Aria's, you know, her mom, her caregiver, her, her therapist, her nurse, her, there was a major, yeah, I was her case manager. I was her driver. I mean, I was so many things to her and all of a sudden it was all gone. And so, but I was still on this whole, like, man, Lord, you took such good care of her. You know, she had such a peaceful transition, like in, in that scenario, it really could not have been better for her and her life and what she experienced. Her death could not have gone better. Um, you know, my prayers transitioned once, you know, the doctors and everything was showing it's happening. And even she was like, mom, it's happening. You know, I mean, the prayers just turned into not, not for healing because we knew the healing was coming. The ultimate healing, you know, transitioning outside of this earthly broken body into her eternal new, you know, body and the prayers transitioned to, you know, just, just make it peaceful. Don't let it hurt. Don't let her be scared, you know, just, you know, all of that. And God really answered and honored all of that. And um, so that I was just like, just so like, I can't believe I witnessed this miracle of this, you know, amazing passing. Um, So he went back to work and I'm still like, man, you know, life is so great. You know, she had the best end of life ever, you know, and um, there's a parent's biggest fear is uh, a parent of a child with disabilities is that their child outlives them because it's like, who's going to take care of them, right. you know? So I didn't pray for my daughter to die, but you know, I was just really glad to know that she was always taken care of. Um, but then right when I, it was like, okay, I'm taking my time to myself. Let me start looking at things and getting out. Um, that's when the pandemic started. Oh wow! And so right when I was like, okay, I'm ready to interact with people again and all of that stuff. That started, everything shut down, and nobody was interacting with anyone. Right. And, uh, you know, Salvador, his job, you know, for a few months, you know, totally shut down, couldn't go to work like most everybody. So we were together the whole time. And um, when he, when they did open back up and he was able to go back to work, of course, with all the restrictions and everything, um, that's when I was really by myself. 
and people were still quarantined. Mm -hmm. And I really was really given a lot of time to be in my thoughts. And it was just so strange to see that like the grief was in reverse. You know, it's like I started off the way somebody who's healed from grief uh, or healed in a way with their grief. They're just doing really well with it. I started off like that and then it went backwards. Right. And um, it turns out being by myself like eight, ten hours a day with no job, no school, no social interaction was really bad for me, like really, really bad for me. And I did, you know, all the praying, all the Bible reading. When I felt my thoughts were taking me somewhere I didn't want to go, I would dive into my Bible. I would pray even more, you know, worship music going, everything. But I just, I compared it to a lighted pit. I'm in a pit. Mm. It's not dark, but I can't get out. Yeah. You know, that's what it felt like. And I did have to go into um, intensive outpatient therapy. Yeah. And uh, just to kind of... Um, just to gain more knowledge and awareness of coping mechanisms, you know, that the Lord has graciously provided through um, the wisdom that he gives to professionals that have developed these techniques and all of these things. So, you know, the Lord gave me, I mean, he provided all the things so I could actually have access to these things. And, um, you know, I did intensive patient therapy. It was three hours a day, five days a week for three months. And um, it was really intensive, hence intensive outpatient therapy. Um, but it was really great to um, have the, uh, the, I was blessed and I had the privilege of being able to have the time. I still hadn't gotten a job yet. Nobody was really hiring at the time. Um, I wasn't going to school, no other children. So I could dedicate all that time to that. The Lord provided the means and the time. And, um, you know, and, and I am still I mean, I've, I've been, you know, I do live with depression and I am being treated for it and, um, I'm on medication for it. Um, but I believe that these are all tools that the Lord has provided so people can endure all the things that this fallen world just grabs a hold of you as a person. And, you know, the Lord takes things, you know, things that are meant for evil, God makes for good. And, um, you know, I'm Aria's death is only a year and a half. I mean, it's still relatively new yeah. and fresh. People are like, oh, you guys have not been grieving at all for, you know, just like it's been such a short amount of time. And yes, it has. But every day feels like an eternity. Yeah. And it's just it's just wild. But yeah, um, yeah but I, I do believe it's both that a person can get themselves in a in a bad place if they just keep mulling over those thoughts that will take them there. Um, but I also believe that, you know, we can, um, we can do both. We can get ourselves set up in a way where we're not in a good place, but we can also get ourselves out of there and there's coping mechanisms. I do mindfulness. I remind myself of real tangible things that are in front of me. I'm like, okay, what are five things that are in front of me? You know, what are some things I can smell? What are some things I can touch? You know, I can see, Um, I can hear, you know, things like that, as opposed to just these thoughts that, you know, all of a sudden I have it. And then, you know, the enemy comes with this bullhorn and just repeats it over and over and And over again. I think that's and that's that was what's big for me is like the enemy puts things in front of you that aren't reality. Yeah. And and, uh, Christ being fully truth, 
wants you to take that back and, and bring it into truth, whether or not it's a good thing, like, or whether or not it, it's, it feels like a good thing at the time kind of doesn't matter because the truth is always correct. You know, the Bible, the, the word never comes back void because it's the truth, not because it's like, you know, that doesn't, you know, I, I didn't get anything from lamentations. It's still not void because it's truth. Um, and a lot of that, especially like with therapy, that was, and I know for you, but again, I didn't, I didn't do any therapy. I just kind of like took, <laughs> I, I didn't have to luckily. So, um, which I, I'd be completely open toward if I if I, so if I felt like can we can we bit. just camp out right there for a second because I think and I've been and I've been talking about this for some time now that you know for Christians for a spiritual life we go to church mm-hmm. you know if we get sick and we, and we get a cold we go to a doctor yeah um, but it's a it's taboo right oh yeah. you, we, brother you gotta have faith you can just work your way through these nah. mental type <laughs> stuff you know yeah. <laughs> and I think. The enemy is really kicking us in the teeth right here. Where we're here, we're putting ourselves in bondage because we're not going out and seeking this right. help that's available through through these doctors and medicines and therapies and different things like that. You said a while ago you had some coping me- mechanisms for your anxiety, but you was also talking about some coping me- mechanisms for. I, I got them from her. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Because well, we talk about everything. Yeah. So after my therapy sessions, and he get home, I'm like, oh, we talked about this in therapy. So today. I, therapist. I, did, I did do a few counseling sessions. Yeah, yeah, um, he did because he he was you know commenting on how oh some of those things would be helpful. For me to learn and stuff, and I would just tell them, when you're ready, just, you know, call your insurance, check out what it looks like for you, and go yeah. for it when you want to. I did do a few of them. I think one of one of the things, especially as a Christian going into it, was, and, and people will say this because it's, it's true, you know, like, it's difficult to find things on certain insurances, whatever, but if it's not leading you towards healing, then it's not the right thing. Right. And you'll know when you start if it's leading you towards healing. You know, we knew when she was doing group therapy that was super intensive that it was going to end, you know, that there was an end because people were leaving the group as soon as she got into it. Um, yeah. The program I was in, normally people average three to four weeks, but um, I was, I waited too long to seek therapy. Right. I really did. I allowed myself to get so bad that um, as when I finally did a consult, I'm like, I have to talk to somebody and see what's okay and what's not okay. Um, When I finally did a consult, they were very concerned about me. Very, very, very concerned. And just a different answer on one or two questions would have had a whole different situation for me instead of just outpatient therapy. Yeah, honestly, if we had weapons in our house, we wouldn't have... It was really, it was really bad because I waited too long to Mm -hmm. seek help when I needed to seek help. And I was by myself. So, I mean, as soon as somebody else, when he would come home from work, boom, I'm better because I had somebody there with me. I could, you know, um, and, and this is me even still praying every day, yeah. you know, reading my Bible every day, studying. I mean, just like, cause I was actually studying, like, I'm like, you know, David had, you know, he was sad. Why, why is this such a deal for me? Why can't I just get out of this? You know? Um, but what really helped me be more okay. Cause you know, I grew up in church too. Mm-hmm. I know how taboo it is to seek medical help for things like mental health, um, in the church in general. Right. Um, so you know, I still had some stigma I had to work through to be like, okay, maybe I really should talk to somebody. So do you think that's why you took so long or you just 
because it was kind of a reverse situation, you just found yourself there and you're just like, oh my, oh my goodness, yes. here I am. Yeah, yeah it was the, more of the reverse situation. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I was okay. That, that was I will thing. get okay like, again. You know? life, and that's, and I think it's been, it's been weird to a lot of people from, from outside perspective, but our life with Aria was the best thing that ever happened. It was, I mean, because it was the life we knew, yeah. it was yeah. It was awesome. We loved it. So, yeah. Y'all was so. always, of course, you know, we don't know as people from, you know, the outside don't always know the inside, but y'all always look happy. Yeah. It was, y'all it was look awesome. like a, an awesome family and a great family and all those things. And uh, just because of Aria's disabilities, she was just like a child, just like one of, you know, one of my kids to yeah. you guys. And it was just from the outside, we've seen a child with disabilities, but y'all didn't see that. Y'all seen y'all's child, yeah. which I thought was always so beautiful, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so if he was, if he was going to speak to a mother or a father or just somebody out there that's dealing with some, some mental health issues, what, what would be your advice to them? I would definitely never, ever discount seeking the Lord. And, um, I would encourage them to continue to pray or to start praying if they haven't been, or if they stopped and to read their word, just get that truth inside of you. Let it just, even if you're stuffing it down, you know, at least you're getting it in you, um, in your head and your heart. And, um, just don't be afraid to ask for help when you need it. The Lord has gifted people with amazing knowledge and wisdom you know, science is an amazing thing that is a gift and provision from the Lord. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't, it, just because we are a people of faith, we should not discount science like that. Everything, the Lord can make everything work for good for people that, you know, know him and, and love him. So if you seek out those things as Lord, you have provided these things, you know, direct me to the resources, to the help, direct me, Holy Spirit, guide my heart to where I can best be helped in accordance to your word and where you want me to be. Um, And I think that if people really do that, they will get some clarity in that. And maybe it does take talking to somebody else, you know, and and there are Christian therapists out there, Christian psychiatrists and psychologists, um, you know, and they're, and they're not, there are also not, but I really do think that as long as your ultimate goal is to just be, you know, whole in the Lord, just keep the Lord central to that. And, um, I think the scenario will work out better for anybody. I think one thing is like a husband and and a father, what, one thing that I saw and, and this happens, I know this happens in families a lot, especially like with post postpartum depression is huge because it's, it's probably one of the main things that happens in Christian households. Yeah. And we don't even think about it because it's, it's under the rug kind of. Yeah. And but, they say, oh, they'll, she'll just get through it. You yeah. Know, or she'll just get through it or just, something just a wild will happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, but if you, one thing as a husband is like you, sometimes you can't be that everything for your wife. You know, like I had to come to the realization that like, you know, we, I had to be like, because we're, we're extremely codependent. I was like, I, I can't be this for you. You know, I, I can't be your therapist. You have more of an issue than I can fit, quote unquote, fix, swish, swish, swish. Um, um, and that's when, and so it, it's, it's a little bit of a hit on the pride because it's like, of course, I want to fix everything. Yeah, we're fixers. But, but, um, but that's realizing that somebody else can do this better than I can um, is, is huge because we're not, 
if we really want to take care of our household, then being a being a provider in, in more ways than one. I mean, if you if you're you want to provide in your in your marriage emotionally, spiritually, in every way, um, and mentally, if if it, if it needs to come from an outside source, as long as it's not something negative, then it needs to come. Right. So, as as the father and the husband in the in this situation. Um, how did you come to that situation? Did you, was it like a mutual thing or did you just seen things getting worse and then you're just like, hey, I think we need to reach out and, and seek something or she came to you? How, how did that work? Well, the, and, and before we go on, anymore, do y'all mind if we lean into this? No, no. not okay. at all. <laughs> all right. We, we, we don't mind at all. That, that's the thing is we, again, like we, I, I don't know however the other marriages are like, but I feel like we talk more than anybody else has ever talked in their whole lives. Like, we know everything about each other. That's Sandra and I. People think it's weird how much that we talk about everything. We talk about everything. And that's the thing is, like, when it honestly it was a little bit like with Aria's care. With Aria's care, we would, we would have we'd have dinner and we just talk about, but that's, how, that's how we were prepared for her to pass away. You know, we talked about if this is going to happen, this is what we're doing. You know, we we talk about every situation, every step. But even before she passed away, we said, you know, what's going to happen when she passes away, and and we're alone. Yeah. Like, what are we going to do? Um, and you know, we're like, we'll be okay. We'll see. You know, um, but it, it just it just came to a point where you know she's sleeping a lot, and it just I mean, it, it was just deep. It was just deep. You know, it was yeah. a it was a it was a well, it was a deep pit that I've seen. But I've been able to come out of. But again, like I have, I've been doing it for. I, we've we kind of lived. We've lived very different lives in the way of how, how our lives were. I was always able to disconnect and go to work. And my my day to day was was I can completely disconnect from my family, go to work, and then I leave work at work at work, and I come back home and I'm, you know. Yeah, that's that's one thing men are great at, right? Yeah, compartmentalizing <laughs> exactly. But and also, you was able, even if you was a woman. If you had a job, you would you would have moments in the day where you had a focus on this this project or this yeah. whatever that would give you that little bit of escape. But you didn't even have that. You didn't have a, a moment in, in your day to have that escape. Yeah. So, I mean, it came to a point where it's like, well, what did you do today? You know, and it's like I tried this, but it but it just ended up being this. And, you know, it's it's not even necessarily it. I wish I could say it was it was as simple as, well, she cried. You know, I saw my wife crying all day, every day. That wasn't it. Right. It was a deep, it was just a darkness of, you know, and and that's the thing is we see this, <laughs> we see this in, in people and we don't do anything about it. Yeah. We see this darkness that is taking hold of people. And oftentimes we try, we just say, pray about it. And that's good. But, but a lot of times people it's need not more. enough, right? Yeah, it's not enough. You don't, you know, you see somebody, if you see somebody bleeding, you're not going to tell them, pray about it. Yeah. You're going to say, you know, unless the Lord heals that, heals that wound right now, then yeah. go get help. You're going to scoop them up and take them to the hospital exactly. or emergency room yeah. or something like and, that. And that's the thing. I'm, I saw my wife bleed now. Yeah. You know? and, oh, that's, wow. and, and I think that's, that's a big, that's a big conversation about mental health is that we don't, we see these people hurting so much and then. And and them try even trying to take the steps and us us seeing you know that we can ask the Lord for these steps we can pray on their behalf and then sometimes it just, God doesn't pull them out you know whether it be because they're actually mentally diseased or disabled or because they're just they're just not there and what's the next step you know and and yeah <laughs> that's a 
that's that's what I saw, and it, you know, it wasn't necessarily me. It was just we, we talked about it, and it's like you you need something more. And that that was the I can't I can't be that for you. Yeah, I mean, so many times people come to my to my office, and they were just like, "Can we talk?" I'm like, "Yeah, we can talk." And it's like right off, you you realize mm-hmm. this is this is more than not than I'm trained to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trained to send you to the Bible, but you're coming to me and saying, you've already, you're doing these things, right? You're, you're doing what I would tell you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, and, and I would send them there and they look at me like crazy, like, no, you fix it. Like <laughs> I'm here for you to fix it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we just, we just got to get past this. Um, so you talked about being codependent yes. a bunch. You're both of you said it, right? Um, how has this affected your relationship? Has there? I mean, I'm assuming it's been up and down, or um, or is it just kind of been one of those things that y'all have bonded closer together? What's it been? And in addition, do you think it? Would you say it's been beneficial? The amount of codependent you've been, or has it been kind of hurtful? Or what do you Question. think of that? Um, I would say we were very codependent at first because. We were there together when Aria passed. At the same time, we were right there with her when she passed. And so we kind of felt this, you know, camaraderie, like we experienced this together. Um, And we were just supporting each other through the immediate part of her passing. Um, You know, and then he was able to go back to work. I was still just trying to figure stuff out. Um, When And I think that we were not at a, like, codependent like codependent type of way um that happened when the quarantine started yeah because he had couldn't go to work anymore i was not working so we were just quarantined at home like everybody else um and we were together like that for three months or so um two to three months yeah i mean it was awesome in some ways it was really (laughs) great it was really great because you work in a school district so they just shut the school down right i was just home playing video games yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, i mean it was great because we did have a lot of extra time together we you know we already talked to each other a lot talked to each other even more um and we were able to just um just really enjoy each other's time more because even you know when you know ari was not a burden in any sense of the word at all while she was with us. Right. But because we no longer had someone else to care for, um, there was a lot of quality time we got to have that we didn't before because we were, our attention was on taking care of her, um, or something else. So that was good. Um, but you know, being so close to somebody for so long, there are times where it's just like, we need to not be so close together, (laughs) you know? So, um, whenever he did go back to work, like, I feel like when he went back to work, we were kind of on that. Maybe we're heading towards that. Maybe we should not be hanging out so much, you know, or something. So he was able to go back to work, but then that's when I was all alone. I'm like, Oh no, I need, I need my husband. Um, but at that point I just needed anybody, you know, but we were all still quarantined. So I couldn't just call up some friends and be like, Hey, let's meet up. I got to talk to somebody, you know, couldn't do that because of the, the pandemic. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, it was good and it was, it wasn't bad. I would never say it was bad, but I could see how anybody who wasn't, um, preoccupied cause you know, her death still preoccupied our minds a lot. And so there were times where, you know, we wouldn't talk to each other or anything cause we both grieve very differently. Um, but, 
yeah, it was more good than not good. Right. But, um, yeah, it was just weird. I, I mean, do. the whole pandemic just made yeah. everything weird. Yeah. I do yeah. think that. Yeah, threw that on top of everything else. Yeah. Right? I do yeah. think that the negative codependency side of it would be that, you know, we, uh, and, like, we didn't really get get help, I think, individually until we both realized that, like, we you can't do this for yeah. me. You know, and I think I agree that, with that, yeah. And having codependency that is negative is is saying to somebody, hey, this, you do this for me and I'll do this for you, you know? And that's, and that's the thing is like, I'm not her therapist. I'm not her pastor. I'm not, I'm not Jesus. You know, I'm not going to heal you. Um, you know, then, and that's where, and we were a little bit like that (laughs) for, for a little while, but we also kind of, we, we pulled out of that pretty quick. Um, but again, like the, and, and I think that the, I think that the pandemic accidentally created created that situation for a lot of people you know a lot of people mm-hmm. saw okay well this is the person that i want around <laughs> you or know the other way around yeah, yeah. Like, or this is the person they, i don't want around, I you they know? Were. but then um, they didn't have their job to go hide yeah, yeah. I mean, I heard a lot of people you know i was talking to a lot of people just like man this is why i work all the overtime hours yeah right. you mm-hmm. know i just send the check home i don't have mm-hmm. to deal with all this i don't have to deal with the kids i don't have to deal with the grocery shop and i don't have to deal with her talking to me all the time you know yeah uh, and i think you found a lot of that out but I also think that you found you found out a lot about who you're living with, yes. right? And I know that uh, fortunately, Sandra and I we fell in love with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and it sounds like you guys did too, even through yeah. a tough time. Yeah, we were kind of living that, like we and you know, again, I was almost kind of doing a honeymoon time. Well, thing we at did. The same that's time, the thing right? is, we we've done like we've lived that situation before. We've. When when Aria was maybe ten, so maybe like six years ago, yeah. she got so sick that we quarantined uh, for, for for like two years. For like two years, just nobody went out. Just I went us. to work. He wow. went to work, and <laughs> Aria and I stayed home. She didn't go to school. Nothing. She was on homebound education. Yeah, for our the, family all that didn't time. come over. Nothing. We didn't go to parties. Nothing happened. Um, and I guess I went to church. I don't know. I don't remember what happened. Yeah, but that <laughs> was really it. I mean, but it was to keep her healthy and safe because we were. Us and her medical team were convinced that she was so weak and so ill that if she got sick one more time like that, one more pneumonia, and she would have passed back then. Right. So we were able to, um, by helping her quarantine for like two years, we got like six, five more years out of, no, oh. yeah, like five more years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's tough because, you know, I, we my dad has cancer. Yeah. And uh, so we deal with that with him. Just, you know, his doctors was like, the cancer's not going to kill him, but. Yeah, getting sick, getting pneumonia, getting something like that is yeah. going to kill him. So, a lot of people don't have they don't think about things like that. You know, they don't right. think about having to watch where you go and watch where you eat and be crucified if you're going to wear your mask. You know, because yeah. they, they you don't you bring that stuff back. I, if I brought that back to my dad, I would kick myself in the tail for the rest of my life if I brought a cold back that killed him. You know, right? Yeah. Um, so I have a question. So when y'all were so yeah, I know you said that y'all did the therapy and that was really helpful and all. Did y'all have anybody in the church that was, uh, you know, helpful to y'all in this situation? Did y'all have anybody yes. y'all were talking to? And Yes. Um, we consulted multiple times with one of our associate pastors, and our entire pastoral team was very supportive. Um, and, um, you know, they, they were very good about praying for us and meeting um, all of our needs as they arose and as we allowed them to know about those needs, you know pastoral team can't know what you need if you don't tell them <laughs> well, no. you know and they did offer some therapy services yes, they that they went through but we had already kind of set that up um yeah. i think one thing also that we had done 
and this happened while we were still at Elam even, mm-hmm. is we had built a community of people around us that, like, honestly, outside of the church, that were already coming and being, like, that were sowing into our lives. And, like, and, and I'm not saying everybody should go out and do that with, with you know, find people outside of church. But, and this is true, I believe this is true for every couple. You need to find people that are going to do life with you, the hardest parts of life. Because, like, we... That that was our thing is that we kept we had a core group of people that we knew we're going to the hospital these people are coming you know like good yeah. I can we we can trust these people with our lives we can trust them with secrets with things that hurt you know and um and so like that was a, you know one of the worship pastors at at life was was one of those guys for us also um and the the uh, orphan care minister at, at our new church mm-hmm. he was he was like that as well but I mean and that's kind of the thing is that is building and again it sounds like a lot of work but it's it's common work that we as believers need to do we need to build community that accepts you and like builds you up as opposed to you know uh as opposed to just seeing somebody at church and then never never doing it again you know what i mean like i mean i think that's a great point i'm glad you brought that up because sandra and i used to be well we made the group but it was we called it the gathering and once a month we bring I think it was four other uh, couples into, and we would ro- rotate homes. But it was important for me because, say that I bring in four groups from our church, I'm still one of their pastors. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm still one of their you know people they speak to, and, and it's really hard for me to let my guard down and for me to just to be me sometimes because. They're trusting in me with all of their secrets, you yeah. know. So, but I need that same thing from other people. Mm-hmm. So, what I did is I brought people from other churches um, that that I had, you know, grew grew with, yeah. and that I could just just take my, my flip flops off, you know, right. show, yeah. show my bunions on my toes, and, <laughs> and just be comfortable and yeah. just allow to build community with them and not have to worry about being somebody's pastor, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think it's real important if it's in church or out of church, whatever it may be, just to have that group around you that you can really talk to them. They're not going to judge you because at the end of the day, you're not their pastor or you're not, you know, whatever to them. Um, but they're there really to support you. Right. And you um, almost get more accountability out of them because, yeah. <laughs> because they're going to see your bunions or, or yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> they see the real you. you, you don't have to, put, you don't have to, not that I, not that I put a front on for anybody because yeah. I really yeah. don't. But at the same time, I am cautious and aware of different things. You know, um, you, you said something a while ago about letting the pastors or people know certain things. How important do you think now that you're a little bit further down the line? I'm not saying you're out of it by no means. It's probably something you're going to deal with for a long time. But is was there a point where you say maybe I should have let certain people in quicker or more, or or <laughs> should I should I maybe not have them pulled back? It, it's hard to say because we got we did technically get help from outside with the with the therapy. But like I know that one one thing that happened when we left Elam. Um, which is if if you're not if you're not from this church and you're listening to this podcast, good good for you. Shout out to Russia, y'all still shout out, shout out to Russia, not going to Elam. Oh, man. But anyway, um, so one thing when we left Elam, we left Elam because Ari was too sick to go there. So we went to our new church, we went to life, and we said, "Hey," and this is straight up the exact conversation I had with one of the worship pastors and maybe one of the other pastors. I I told him I was like, "Okay." We're coming here. 
Like once once we settled on there, it was like we're coming here, and just so y'all know, pretty sure our daughter's gonna pass away here. You know, we have needs. Like we have we have a lot of needs, and everything that we need, we're gonna tell you. And honestly, Ari went to the hospital next week after that. Wow. And and I called him, and I was like, "This is what I need," and they brought it, and and um and we it just kept happening, and and that was that was kind of part of it is like. So we've been pretty bold about that ever since. Um, and it, it's just, but it's just a matter of, I mean, and that's why, uh, because I, I think we, we put our, <laughs> and I, I did this especially when I started going to like Elam because I was Catholic. So I put the pastor on like a pedestal, which I mean, of course you should have reverence for him. But um, at the same time, you got to be able to yell at his grandkids. That's actually a good point. What, what if we was thinking about that in 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 the contents of the story that we were talking about earlier? What if he would have went to this you know this gay or lesbian person and says, "Hey, man, whatever your needs are," and yeah. they come to him and say, "Hey, I'm struggling in this area," and then he, he served their needs, right. and yeah. he served their needs, and he served their needs, and eventually it's going to get to the point where all everything's on the table. Mm-hmm. And you are going to have that opportunity. Now you have their ear. Now you have all those different things. That's that's what's so important about community and, and serving each other, not just being served. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, and that's the, like, I wish, I don't know how, <laughs> to be honest, like, COVID provided what we needed at, back before Aria passed away. You know, honestly, like, but when, when Aria was alive, when our, when our daughter who was disabled and homebound, the last two years of her life, she didn't go to church. We tried, you know, she, but she was home and, um, you know, I, I was just going to church and serving and we were, we were in community as best we could, but, uh, and they were doing, and that, so I came up to him and I said, this live stream needs to work every Sunday <laughs> and it worked every Sunday. You know, I, 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 I called him out every time it didn't work. Um, like you did me earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, but that's the thing because COVID, yeah. COVID is, has people at home and people need church. Let me tell you something about there. There's a gentleman in our church that um, he's an IT guy, you know, and he's in his 80s now. And uh, he's really heavily invested in our uh, live stream. He basically bought everything. And uh, in a little bit of time, whatever we needed, oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. He got COVID and almost died. Uh-huh. Right. And he hasn't been back to church since. So almost to the time that he invested that last dollar to where we, I mean, we don't, ours is not the best, but it's definitely not the worst out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's actually really good. You yeah. know, um, but guess what? He's been able to come to church every single yeah. week because of that. You yeah. know, it's just crazy how those things work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what now? You know, so what do you do now? You, you you've you've gotten the help. You, you're 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 going through the grieving process. You're back to work. You're oh well, actually, um, I did intensive outpatient therapy from the middle of June. My last session was October fourth. Yeah, and a friend of mine who's also in the Kingdom Care Ministry with us. Um, there was an opening for a paraprofessional at the school she worked at. And, um, I'm like, Oh, well, as long as you don't need a credential, um, I'm yeah, that's fine. I need something to do. Um, but you did need a credential and I was like, Oh, bummer. Okay. But I was like, well, let me just look up and see, you know, how to get that. Yeah. Turned out there was a three Saturday course at a community college. You just did it for three Saturdays, took the test, 
boom, you have a credential. Wow. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. Yeah. So I did it. And when I was getting into doing my last third Saturday, they were like, Hey, she was like, Hey, so did you, did you do it? Did you get it? And I was like, I'm taking my exam Saturday. She's like, well, let me know if you pass. Um, or do you want to be interviewed? They, they're really interested in you. I'm like, okay. So I did the interview before I did the exam and then I did the exam. I mean, it went well. They're like, let us know if you pass. I was like, okay, great. So, um, yeah, so I did the exam and then I'm like, I passed and then they hired me that week and I've been working since October as a special education, uh, aide at the discipline campus of, um, a local school district. So, um, you know, I work with the kids that have done offenses that warrant being taken out of their home campus and they come to our campus and just serve their assignment and try to keep up their academics while they're there. And then they go back to their home campus. That's awesome. So now, now how do you navigate it? Now that you're on the other side of the, of the hill, right? You, mm-hmm. you know, you've gotten, you've gotten the help that you guys need. Um, now what? Like, like how do you, how do you have, how, what have you done to like set yourself up for success at this point? Well, <laughs> well, for me, I'm, you know, I'm taking my medications. Yeah. I am. Speak on the medications. Or let me, let me speak on the medications real quick. Okay. People, if you are out there listening, you got, you got well because you was taking your medications. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Take your medications. It's okay. I know a lot of bipolar people and great, great people that, that have that dealing with being bipolar, and then as soon as they start feeling better, they they stop taking the medications. Yeah. I encourage you to take your medication. Do what the doctor says. You ain't gonna go to hell for it. You know, <laughs> it's actually gonna make you a better Christian. Uh, yeah. So take your medicine. Trust your family and friends when they come around you and, and encourage you to do those things. Go ahead. Yes, please take your medication <laughs> as prescribed by your medical professionals. Yes. And, and you're not life. a doctor. Yeah. Yes. And don't, uh, don't listen to any of these commercials. You don't need it if your doctor didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> if you trust your doctor, talk to him about it. Yeah, <laughs> for her. Because women can be doctors. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, so I'm taking my medications. Um, I've learned about some other health issues that, um, developed over time as I neglected my own personal health as well, as long as, as well as my mental health, um, that I'm trying to take care of too. I'm in school. Awesome. I'm, I'm trying to just take care of core classes. Um, I'm thinking something along the lines of history or social justice or something. Um, I could see you as a social justice advocate <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, I do care a lot about disability rights yeah. and things like that. Um, so I'm doing that in addition to working. Um, so that's kind of all I'm doing. And we're doing the um, kingdom care stuff. So we just like, we really do just like being like, what do you need? Like yeah. we, we're good now. You know, I mean, that's how I stay good. I take my meds and, and I'm doing stuff. I'm not allowing myself to be alone anymore. And like you said, because I'm taking my medications and I'm doing all the things, I am able to, um, you know, get back to uh, confidently studying the word and praying even more and better with more clarity and all of that stuff. So um, that's just kind of like what I've been doing personally. So yeah. let me let me ask you, what do you do? Speak to the the, the people out there that are having that are dealing with some of the, some of the same things that have the bad days, you know? Because I'm, I'm just because you're taking your medicine doesn't mean that you wake up every day and you're ready to go to kick the devil's teeth right. in. And, yeah, that's and, you know, true. Take there, over the world. There are still bad days even on meds. Yeah. Um, at my worst, before I started getting treatment, like even opening my Bible was exhausting. Yeah. Just reaching over to grab it, exhausting. 
just the thought of turning over to look at it, exhausting, you know. Um, so I got into a habit of just pressing play on my Bible app phone, just letting it read to me, you know, just I just needed that truth constantly to be around me. Um, you know, just listening to worship music. And even like now that I'm in school um, and studying, I do like having instrumental music. Um, I do prefer lo-fi steady beats. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah, that's my, that's my, uh, that's my Spotify playlist when I study is mm-hmm. it's called chill lo-fi steady beats or something. Huh. Yeah, um, check it out. Jazz samples and yeah, I love it. I love it so much. But I also, I also do like listening to, um, you know, um, instrumental worship music just because I'm, I'm hearing the words and I'm feeling the words as I'm listening to the melodies and things. Um, that helps me. Yes. Um, so when I'm having my rough days, mainly music helps just that background, you know, just surrounding my atmosphere with that in the background helps me. Um, and maybe I'll just listen to the Bible instead of actually reading it. Um, so I would just try to do things, you know, or look at a pretty picture. I like looking at pictures of my daughter, um, especially on the bad days. Um, that helps me a lot. And, uh, really just thinking about things I'm doing that are, you know, positive, like, Oh, you know, we're doing this for the ministry. You know, they just had, um, an opportunity to sponsor a foster child, to help them with getting um, a week's worth of a new wardrobe for school. And we were blessed financially to do that. And it was such an honor and a privilege to do that for a child. So I had a bad day like last week and I thought about that and just how much joy it brought me to be able to bring something to someone else so they could have a better day. What does something like that cost to sponsor a child for clothes well we personally went out and bought them oh okay yeah and then we just gave oh so you got like sizes and stuff and just went out and did it yeah yeah, they they gave us a a child and listed their shoe size their top size their pants size yeah we do that that. for uh for uh, christmas yeah at elam so uh that's pretty cool for people outside the church i know um from my end on this like what what happened it i became a lot more successful Financially and stuff after Aria passed away, which kind of sucked. <laughs> uh, but uh, so just what, because of natural progression in your job, yeah. Okay, and okay. then like opportunities were happening. And yeah. one thing that happened is that like it's, uh, during the freeze, honestly, I had just like severe anxiety. It just I didn't. I worked for however however long I was working, and it was just too much. Um, and yes, I was making a lot of money, but it was just like. It was overwhelming, and I didn't. And Calvin but, says the same thing. He during, said the same thing during the time. During that time, I realized, okay, this is not this is not good for me. Um, and so, some some things have come up. Like since then, like I was offered a a much better job for much pay, much better pay without even much sacrifice, um, and it was just stressing me out. And giving, I think, a, a big part of especially like controlling your thoughts and, and being mindful of of uh of your thoughts and and whether or not it's good for your mental health is is being able to say no even if it if it's if it's good it might be a good thing for you but it doesn't mean that it's good for you um so you know i I had that opportunity it was going you know it was going and it would have been a lot more money but i was like no you know um and then honestly when i stepped back from that that's when we finally received some more clarity on on what to do next you know like god 
God, we we had this this stuff happen all the time. Like we would come, and I, I don't know if y'all y'all are both married, so like when God says something, we both just like get it at the same time. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> or I'll and, always prod Sandra. Hey, what do you think about this? Yeah, and, you yeah, know, yeah. And see what she's how she's feeling. I'm just like that's it. That's exactly what I was thinking. Exactly what happened. So like yeah. it, was, it was it was the exact same time, same day, and it was just. Um, and then we just moved and it was, but it all just fell together. And that's, and I, and I think that's one of, one part of it is just being able to step back from stuff that might seem like it, it's the correct thing to do, but if it's not correct for you mentally or, or if, you know, if it's, if it's going to affect your mental health and don't do it, yeah. you know, what do you feel about, um, um, uh, meditation? What's your thoughts? Because this is another sticky thing in the church, right? Oh, you can't clear your mind because the demon's going to come all in and get in your mind and like torture you for the rest of your life. People have been telling you that. You, but come on, listen. what do you? Uh, <laughs> the, the Bible says meditate on the word. It says meditate on the word. But like if you go somewhere and like you do yoga or meditate while you're doing yoga or something, people just like have like Christians freak out. Well, I think people a lot a lot of people will make that their religion. They don't go to church or anything, but yeah. you know, oh, I meditate and meditation can do a lot of great stuff for you. You know, yeah, that's why, like you said, the Bible says to meditate on His Word, but uh, it's not supposed to be your God. You know, yeah. yeah, I think they're like scared of the chance too, or something like that. I don't. I've never been to yoga, but they're like, I'm a blah blah blah. I don't, I don't Man, be all flexible. Like, Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> No, on my I head. cannot, I cannot, no. Hey, don't I don't, say make, don't make me think about that. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been, uh, yeah, I think y'all all have mentioned something, talking about the truth at some point throughout this whole thing. And I would just like to encourage anybody who's dealing with any of this stuff to focus on seeking out the truth because mm-hmm. that's, that's it. It's what you need. You know, like for Deborah, you're. The truth is you needed some medication to help you out, and that's great. For somebody oh, else, good. the truth that the truth might be you don't need the medication. Maybe you just need to eat better. Maybe you need yeah. to do a little more exercise and listen or to Or maybe this. you just need to get some of the things that the doctor can hey, tell you. 100 percent Maybe like, therapy's great for you. Maybe for you it's not. So much, bro. Yeah. I, just, I forgot to say I've been we've been Exercising. The gym, some, and yeah. it's, just, it, it, it's been so helpful. Just, just, go, just go for a walk. You know, a lot yeah. of people they, uh, you know, they get real intimidated. They won't start. You know, but like, just take a walk around the block. Get you some fresh air. That does wonders for people. You and, know, and also when you're talking about like health and COVID and stuff, the majority of the people that have had issues with COVID has been overweight. You know, yeah. Um, so, but even I, with like, that's me. I'm right there. I need, yeah. I need to get out and exercise. <laughs> but more. even like, uh, it's become like a fad in this generation to be like, well, I have depression, I have anxiety and stuff. You see so many teenagers that are like. That's like their identity, you know, they yeah. get the black fingernails and all that stuff. And that's their thing. And it's like, you know, all the emo stuff. And it's yeah. like, that's their cool. And for some people, the, the truth is you have depression and you've got to deal with that. For other people, maybe you're just being a little punk, dude. And you need to, you know, talk to your friends, stop being a jerk all the time. Maybe yeah. you're not so depressed as you think. Yeah. But you got to seek out the truth. And uh, I think too many people just get lost on that. That's good stuff. Yeah. I, one each. Leave us with something. Leave the people with something. Um, Salvador, leave them with something of, of how you can encourage them right now. Um, you know, and, and I think this, I think the whole mental health thing is is a big deal since COVID, honestly. And if I could just leave something with uh, 
especially with COVID. I mean, you know, we saw our daughter die and we watched her pass away exactly the way that COVID is described. Mm. But she didn't, you know, she didn't have COVID. It didn't happen. Um, if I could leave you with something, it's that, you know, Christ has a plan for for you and your life. Um, and just be kind to people. You know, I, we're, we're not being Christians by by trying to yell somebody, yell at somebody and tell them this is my thoughts on, on this or that. And, and um, you know, it, it's amazing because we, when our daughter was in the hospital, just passing away, she, us dealing with the way that she was passing away really affected a doctor that was there. She's like, I've never seen such a, such a death like this before. She's like, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. Um, the way that, the way that you guys have, have dealt with, with her passing. Um, and we're living in, in what seems like treacherous times and we need to be the light, you know? And if it's, and if it's showing off, you know, if it's showing off your burdens, showing off your hurts, then, then show them. Um, and so that's, that's what I say. That's awesome. Brother Calvin, he's, he, you know, he told me a story how God reveals some things uh, uh, with Aria to him while he was locked up. And it was just some beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. stuff. Leave us with a, a kind word. Um, <clears throat> I would say a uh, key word is relationship. You know, as we started with your story, Pastor David, uh, with the the guy in, you know, the UK just berating people because he was offended um, that didn't really help anybody. Uh, it didn't even help him because he ended up in jail. Right. Um, but relationship is key in interacting with people. Relationship is key in interacting with God. And um, relationship is like the only way to interact with God. And, you know, relation. how do you have a relationship with the Lord? You know, you, you read his word, you hear him through the word, and you pray with him, to him, um, and that's just key in everything with mental health, physical health. It really is relationship and just remaining connected with all the things that go into a relationship. You know, everybody has their part to play and we can't expect anybody else to do their part if we're not doing our part. Um, and like James was saying, you know, whatever, seek the truth. What is the truth about your part in the relationship with the Lord? You know, it's all in the word. It's all there. All the answers are right there in the Bible. Um, but really just relationship. You're feeling lonely, reevaluate your relationships. You know, you're having struggling with your mental health. You know, people are in your life. The Lord places people there. Just remember relationship. It's just, it really is key in so many facets. Um, so just, and don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. It's okay. You know, I, again, I grew up evangelical with all this, you know, the stigma and everything. And I've had to recondition myself to, um, really seek the truth outside of that man-made, you know, stigma. Um, and the Lord has really revealed a lot about being kind goes so much further than just being kind to other people. Um, it really is being kind to yourself first and just allowing the Lord to work in and out of you. So be kind and Relationship, relationship, relationship. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I want to I thank you guys because this is not exactly where we intended to go. Um, you yeah. and we, and like we called you like an hour before we even started <laughs> recording, and things fell through on the other end. And yeah. uh, Pastor Caesar said, "Call Sal." So oh. I feel like this was one of those things that um, 
This yeah. wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. No, it wasn't as funny, but I think, man, this is that I appreciate you guys being so transparent. Um, and I know this is going to go a long ways and help a lot, a lot of people. I just want to let you guys know that uh, certain conversations that we've had over the years has definitely impacted my life. Um, you guys have inspired me over the years, and I just want to thank you guys for, you know, for me being able to call you all friend. And I know that I've, I've failed people in the past, and I've, I've always, haven't always done the right thing. Um, but let you know that uh, your family has definitely changed the way that I've looked at the world. You're so. welcome. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Uh, on that note, we're out of here. We love you. This is The Refuge Project.